I've got Joe Glazebrook with me here today, who is the manager of the Community Kitchen, which is a flagship project for us at the Brighton and Hove Food Partnership and can be found on Queen's Road. If you're a local to Brighton or Hove, you've probably walked past our kitchen at some point and probably looked in the window like everyone else does to see what kind of bright and colourful looking things are getting cooked in there. I'm very lucky to call Jo one of my colleagues in the food partnership and she's a much loved member of our team for the work she does creating a caring and kind atmosphere at the community kitchen for volunteers, staff and participants. The kitchen recently celebrated its five year birthday and with that we released an impact report exploring the impact this space has had across the city over the last five years. Some interesting stats from it are the fact that the community kitchen has cooked over 15,000 meals in the last five years, has held over 1,000 community cookery sessions, and volunteers have given over 10,000 hours of their time into the community kitchen. So in order to better understand the impact this, this kitchen's had over the last five years, I'm asking Jo a series of questions now about her time managing the community kitchen. So to start us off, I was wondering if, in your own words, you can describe to me the work that you do in the community kitchen. Thank you very much, Ruth. So um, maybe I just sort of give a little bit of a lowdown about the kitchen. Um, so as you've said, the kitchen is our, is our cooking project, the food partnership, and we've been open for five years. We opened in 2018 and it's run as a cookery school. So uh, prior to 2018, for many years, I mean, I've been with the food partnership 11, 11 years this year. So um, one of the first thing I did when I started was go out and do some work shadowing with our community cookery workers. Um, and they were working in community centres and church halls with little kind of pop-up gas stoves and taking all the kit in like crates in the boot of their car and doing, um, you know, cookery courses out in the community. Um, and that was how we used to do it. And so for a long time, there was talk about us having our own home. And then after, it sounds very simple, but it was after a lot of work, um, the kitchen opened in 2018, lots of fundraising, a crowdfund, lots of, you know, amazing support from people. Um, and so since then, that's been where we've been doing the majority of our cookery work. Um, so the school is run as a social enterprise. So there's two fairly distinct streams of work. The side um, that I think we're focusing on today is more the community cookery side. And that is us running um, by donation or low cost courses for community members, people on low incomes, people with long term health conditions. Um, mental health conditions, old people, people with dementia, people with learning disabilities, lots of different engagement with different community groups. And as I said, they are generally free or by donation. And then we have our income generating side, which we call our commercial activity. And they are classes that we generally do in the evenings and weekends where people will come along and um, buy a ticket to do a class with a local chef or one of our cookery leaders. Um, different kinds of skills-based classes, world cuisines, baking. Um, so that's how we kind of raise an income for the kitchen. And the kitchen's also available for hire, so people can hire it for their own events, to run their own parties or subclubs. And we do, um, yeah, different parties, like hen parties, birthday parties, corporate parties, team building events. We've had a book launch, we've had an album launch. It's been used on set for like a Channel 4 um, food programme. 
yeah so lots of different things happen in the kitchen um I, one thing I always say is I think it's really important to get across that you know everyone gets the good stuff in the kitchen so whether you're coming in and it's a free class or you're paying you know a hundred pounds to do a class with you know a chef off the telly then um you know everyone gets the good quality experience or should get the good quality experience yeah that's really nice that's something I love about what we do at the community kitchen actually is I think the quality of classes stays very high you know no matter whether you've paid to be there or not yeah it's really important to us that when people come in you know everything's clean all the equipment is of good quality our lots of our cookery leaders deliver on the community side and the commercial side you mentioned our amazing team of volunteers we've got you know 50 plus volunteers and some of them work across the community and the commercial side so um you know it's really kind of sewn together even though they can appear quite separate and you mentioned that the kitchen works as a um, maybe i'm putting my words in your mouth as a social enterprise model where those who can afford to pay do pay for evening classes mm. and those without like access to funds mm. um access our community courses do you think that you have more people using the kitchen like paying for the classes because they're invested in the social enterprise model um, I mean, that's a really interesting question because some people know know the kitchen and they know the food partnership and they know what we do. So um, they are already invested in that story. And so they will be, you know, when they're buying their ticket, they've got that kind of in mind that they want to come and do the cookery class and they really, you know, um, they've already bought into what we do and they want to support us. Um, some people don't know because they are, you know, in their head, they want to do a cookery class and we happen to provide it. Um, but for every class that we do, we always have, um, you know, a little bit of a chat at the beginning of the of the class um, where we'll let people know who we are, what we do, what our story is. It takes place around our dining table where we do the sort of intro chat. And that's where everybody sits, whoever, you know, whoever you are. So that's where we'll say, everybody sits around this table, you, all our other community members, whoever comes in here, we're all sitting around the table, that's something that we all have in common. And that's when you see people kind of nodding and going, oh, I didn't know that. Or they'll say to me or one of my colleagues, oh, tell me more about what you're doing, or I really like what you're doing. Or, you know, at the end of the class, they'll say, you know, I, that they have that feeling that they've had a nice time, but they're also helping someone else have a good time. So some people know our story already and some people don't. And then we kind of invite them into our world once they're in there. I think that's such a nice way of framing it as well. I'm saying to everyone that we all sit around this table. Like, what better way to bring people from quite different backgrounds together? Yeah, and I think, you know, for our community classes, a lot of people come along by themselves. You know, they'll apply to class and come along by themselves. For the uh, the commercial classes, you know, the sort of evening class or weekend classes, we might get someone who will come along with a friend or a partner or, you know, a family member, or a lot of people might come by themselves as well. And um, and so there, everyone's getting that experience of coming along, you know, being in a pair or 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 three with someone cooking alongside that's alongside them, sitting around the table, having discussions about the food, what you've made, what it tastes like, and it's kind of like an easy way for people to be together and get together and have a chat. You don't have to walk in there and go, "Hi, I'm Ruth, and this is my life story." You can kind of come in and go, "Hi, oh, you obviously like bad buns too," <laughs> you know, and so straight away you've got something you know fairly kind of like safe and in common because you've both decided to go and do that course um i just want to say like a sort of small caveat as well because for some people coming and sitting around a communal table by yourself isn't the easiest thing to do that can also be incredibly challenging so you know we have that in mind as well how can we kind of support people and make them feel comfortable if that isn't their day-to-day -day experience because it isn't for everybody 
And well, how do you do that? So I think it's something that we have very much have in mind for the community classes. So, um, you know, we have a class coming up soon called Nourish, which is a, a class that we do several times throughout the year first for people with serious mental health conditions. And so we've been out and about, you know, talking to different services about that and meeting community members and kind of telling people about the class. And so our message might be there, you know, if you, you know, if, if somebody really wants to come and it's a six week course, so it's quite an investment to come, you know, over the course of, of six weeks, um, might be if you want to come, but you are somebody who is, you know, nervous about coming somewhere for the first time, then we say just, you know, let us know when that suits you and come along and just have a look around space. Just come for five minutes, you know, meets at the door so people can practice the journey. How long will it take on the bus? They get to come to our space. They see what it's like, you know, so that they know when they're coming for the first time, it's not the first time. Um, you know, our volunteers, are, we are so blessed, Ruth, honestly. They're just such a wonderful team. And so they'll be, you know, such a warm welcome when people come to the door, you know, someone takes your coat, shows you where to sit makes you a cup of tea so people are very much kind of nurtured from the moment the door is opened for them and you know that's what people say in their feedback is that you know people that people are really warm and friendly and supportive so i think that's kind of what we do in terms of the sitting down to eat thing you know it's something that we very much encourage um but also like i said sometimes it's not for everybody for whatever reason so if somebody does prefer to you know pack up their food and take it home or something then that's also fine too there's no kind of that's not wrong if that's what somebody needs to do. That's really nice. You used the word nurtured, which I think sums up the kitchen well, actually, because from from the bits I've seen when I've been in there, you are just meeting people where they're at and providing a space that feels good for them. And if they want to eat with you, they eat with you. If they don't, they go home. But you're just meeting their needs without big pressure, which is something really positive that I've seen in the kitchen. Yeah, I mean, I think that the the volunteers are like such a driving force behind that because you know the kitchen the kitchen team are absolutely amazing um you know and we're we're like so well supported by our the rest of our colleagues who don't work in the kitchen you know but it's it's really really hard work you know it's really hard work down there sometimes we're doing like three classes a day and it's a lot of turnaround it's noisy down there i've struggled this morning because it's been like super noisy and if i take myself off out for a, a walk just to get like a little bit of headspace um, and so sometimes we, it does feel a little bit like you're on a bit of a white knuckle ride, you know, but, um, so the volunteers, the fact that we have people coming in throughout the day with all this like fresh energy who don't really have to deal with the sort of behind the scenes nitty gritty, who can just sort of be there, you know, come with their best selves and are their best selves while they're there. They're the ones who are kind of really doing a lot of that nurturing, you know, the leaders obviously are as well. They're like super amazing, but, um, yeah, the volunteers are the ones who are kind of really there on the front you know looking after everybody yeah i can vouch for that i've seen that when i've been in the kitchen the way you feel cared for by the volunteers and i guess that makes sense when you're volunteering somewhere because you're not always mired in like the logistics of making the, the class happen and i think this was something i wanted to ask you actually um i guess when you're volunteering somewhere often your motivation is because you want you want to care you want to give and that's why you're in that space and i was wondering what you um what you think brings people to the kitchen to volunteer? Yeah, that's a great question because like people are like, who are your volunteers? And um, for like our kind of daytime classes, the ones that are sort of during, you know, classic sort of office hours, we have a lot of um, parents whose kids are at school 
during the day. We have a lot of retired people, a lot of people who've worked in education, you know, adult social care, business, all different sorts of stuff. Um, so people who generally are a bit more available throughout the day. Um, for our like evening and weekend classes, we have a lot of, um, you know, more sort of like working people, but a lot of people who are self-employed or who work at home. Um, so they're kind of spending a lot of time at home. So they're not somewhere with like loads of colleagues. And so this is what some of them say to me is they want to get out of the house. They want to come and be amongst other people. And also if they've got jobs with, you know, I'm amazed sometimes that look, people come and volunteer who've got jobs with like massive amounts of responsibility, huge amounts of responsibility, absolutely blows my mind that then they, you know, are going to come to the kitchen and volunteer with us for five hours. But they kind of say that when they come, because they don't have that responsibility, it's literally like, okay, can you be nice to some people, make them a cup of tea, and then you see all those dirty dishes, can you make them all clean and put them away? And that's sort of it because you know so much of the kitchen is cleaning and washing up it's um that's sort of what it is you know supporting the cookery class so um, i think people want to come because they don't have to think about stuff someone else is telling them what to do and that's like a nice sort of bit of time off for them in a way i really understand that and related to that i think something where the task at hand can be finished within a few hours and you see the immediate impact of it and also i think you feel good about yourself when you've cleaned a space or washed it up. You see the impact of what you've done. It like I think it's a way to make people feel um, like they've really got something to contribute and give and can yeah, add a lot of value to a space, but they don't need to like think yeah, about it. Yeah, absolutely that. And also a lot of people who are just really are interested in food as well. And, you know, we have a lot of really uh, interesting, creative people cooking in the kitchen. So, um, you know, there are some people who love to volunteer in the community classes because they really enjoy the kind of the you know relationship building and supporting people and other people will be like they want to do lots of different classes and pick up different skills and learn the recipes and you know obviously we get to have like really nice food together at the end um there's a really nice social aspect as well we try to get to get together a couple of times a year in the kitchen and and have a party it is a party when we have a party um and you know there's some friendships that have been made amongst some of the other volunteers as well that they do things you know outside of the outside of the kitchen and you know it's always just sort of nice chats and you know nice time so yeah I love our volunteers they're all like really really interesting cool kind people nice yeah oh some of them have got paid work as well you know via us or with us or whatever so some people they're kind of wanting to get into more into this sector and so they'll you know come and um, volunteer with us as a way of you know learning about the stuff that's going on I think it's really nice to be able to offer that as well not that you not that people volunteer somewhere in order to work there and not that as an organisation that has volunteers, you need to be able to offer everyone paid work. But it is really cool when you can like mm. give that to some people as a, mm. as a sign of like, we really appreciate what yeah. you're doing. Yeah. I guess it removes that barrier as well. It's being like, you're as capable as I am. Yeah, and it's like, like the, there is no kitchen without the volunteers. We can't open the door. It can't, it, it can't happen without the volunteers. Um, and, you know, it's, especially like over the last few years, you know, sometimes it's been like really, really super hard. You know after well during you know after covid and everything lots of people are sick and all that sort of thing and so you might kind of come in you know i'll come into work in the morning it's like oh there's no volunteers for the day because everyone's sick or whatever and then you just have a bit of a sort of rally round and um you know there's there's always like at least one person be like oh, i'll come and help i'll help you out for today you know staff team as well are really great in that department and um so yeah they they're really invested in us that makes that leads me on to one of the questions i wanted to ask you um 
like we've just been talking about some of the different reasons volunteers might come to the community mm. kitchen but um, participants as well I think they have lots of reasons for coming mm. to overcome loneliness to improve their well-being or simply to learn something new about cooking um, but I'm interested in knowing how you've seen food and cooking together help people um, where they're at to make change in their lives yeah um, I mean I think well you know one of our participants in particular she a frequent thing that she said was oh I didn't know you were allowed to do this with carrots or I didn't know that you could do this with potatoes you know almost like that she had this sort of like and I don't know where it came from but almost like set of rules about what you could and couldn't do what was allowed what was right or wrong with food in and or what was allowed to go with what and I think that's you know something um in particular that you know Emiliano and Charlotte are great at and you know that the other the other um community cookery workers where it is a bit it's less kind of um recipe driven it's a bit more kind of like creative about what's in your fridge it's like just try it just what can possibly go wrong? You know, if you've never put a carrot with a something and you like it, then that's great. As long as you like it, then it's okay, you know? Um, or they try to kind of explore, I'm just thinking in terms about, we call it like the everyday bowl. Some people out in the world call it like the Buddha bowl or something like that, where you're kind of building a dish where you might have um, something slightly sharp, something slightly sweet, crunchy, cooling, and how to kind of put really simple things together to make something that's got different textures and different sort of flavour accents. Sounds quite a fancy word, doesn't it? But how to make something incredibly simple, but that has like a lot of impact. So then you will get real kind of like wow moments from people. Saying that, that all sounds really quite chefy. A lot of stuff that we're also doing, for example, has been like our low energy cookery courses that we're going to be starting again in the, in the autumn which is, you know, a direct response to people not being able to, well, let alone put their ovens on, have a fridge on, have a freezer on, have a light bulb on, you know, everything at home. So we decided, um, we designed a recipe book with three um, no energy recipes in, so that's absolutely zero cooking at all, no hob time. Max 15, three recipes, max 15 minutes on a hob, and then three recipes using a slow cooker. And then that's for our community participants, and then they got shown how to use a slow cooker and then take a slow cooker home. And so it's basically, a, you know, a booklet with nine recipes in for people who need to be really super mindful about, you know, how much energy they're using at home. There was a list of, like, store cupboard, we like to call them heroes. You know, what are the ingredients in your store cupboard that will work really, really hard for you? So if you buy a bottle of soy sauce, for example, you know, here's all the different ways that that ingredient can work for you across these recipes. So it's literally about how to kind of take the complexity out of cooking and know that okay if I make this meal and I batch cook it I've got that for the next three days and then I'm good to go and I don't need to worry about it yeah so I think where your food's coming up from could be a big source of anxiety for people that people can get really you know overwhelmed about you know what am I going to be eating for the next three days or something so if we do like a batch cooking class for example you know people leave going you know actually saying I know for the next three days I'm going to be fine and I'm so happy because I don't have to worry about what I mean for the next three days. So interesting to hear because it, I think it can be so easy to forget if you're someone who's like a foodie or relatively comfortable with food or enjoys cooking food, like just how, how much stress it can put you under to try and work out what you're needing to eat, especially when there's like financial implications at hand as well. Because I think, you know, when like, I think we often say this in the food partnership, 
like food poverty doesn't exist without poverty in general and people who are struggling to like struggling to eat are also marginalized in other ways often and I think if you can give people some like building blocks for food you're kind of giving them building blocks towards making changes in the other areas of their life as well because it's just like one less thing to think about isn't it yeah absolutely and I think in terms of um you know th like I think you mentioned before thinking about what kit people have in their homes um you know the, all, all the kit in the kitchen is domestic kit so that there's nothing in there that we you know that you wouldn't so I'll reframe that there's nothing like industrial in there it doesn't look like an industrial kitchen and we're mindful of not getting out every single bit of kit so if you've got a chubby board and frying pan and wind spoon and a knife then you should be able to make this when you were chatting there it was making me think actually about something that you do well at the community kitchen but i also find it very interesting and um, i feel like you hold like two like two extremes almost of the food system within like one kitchen like you have people who might be struggling to afford to cook or struggling to access food but then you also have like chefs coming in teaching quite like almost hot hot cuisine sometimes are teaching like you know quite experienced cooking techniques mm. and um I was wondering do you ever find that there's any any tension between those two things or do they sit next to each other quite well um I think you know we've got a we've got a great team of you know our freelance chefs who support us and some of them have done you know like fundraisers for us as well they're you know they really support what we're doing and when they hear our community stories they're you know they're really into that um and then we have certain chefs who have only ever done fundraisers for us you know they're like giving really generously giving their time to raise money for us to buy kit for the kitchen they'll do fundraisers for us regularly so i no, i don't think i've ever experienced any any tension there at all i think it's almost like the opposite do you know what i mean and we've been connected to some you know chefs out there in, in the sort of you know hospitality world through other chefs mm -hmm. where they're saying oh we've been doing this and you know you should get involved you should do a fundraiser for them and stuff like that so um so i think it's been the opposite yeah that's really interesting yeah somewhere where like if anything you're bridging those two worlds a little bit by having people like chefs who come and donate their time yeah. as a fundraiser yeah. Also, for example, um, Pat from Ridland Fins, he he comes and does a community fish masterclass for us. So that's your more kind of, um, you know, skills based because um, we generally don't use those ingredients in a, in a community masterclass. But he manages to get them donated from um, the BNFS, right, New Haven Fish Sales, if I'm saying that right. Um, so he gets the ingredients donated, donates his time and comes and does a community masterclass for us so it's kind of like a commercial style class for our community members or community participants using fish as well it's not like a cheap ingredient yeah no it's super, it's super fancy it's really nice yeah yeah and so you know do, some some people want all the fancy stuff some people you know and all the skills and zhuzh and some people are more into the flavors and some people are more into sort of sitting down communal stuff so it's kind of like just trying to put on different kind of things to appeal to all those people Nice. So I guess in, in like the five years you've managed the kitchen and the six on top of that that you've continued doing community food work in Brighton, you've seen so many people from across the city um, from, who have different experiences of the local food system. Um, so I guess I was wondering in like your 11 years working here, have you built up an, a 
better or deeper understanding of some of the barriers that people face locally when learning um, how to cook or to adopt a healthy diet or to engage with food? Um, oh. Yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a big question. I guess I was thinking as well, because like, it's only really like since lockdown, I've been kind of managing the kitchen as I am now, because mm. before Jess, our other colleague, was kind of doing more on that, on that side, and my role was a bit more of a sort of coordinating side, I guess. Um, so I guess, you know, what I'm seeing now is more of a, is more of a big picture. I guess, yeah, I mean... You know just the whole cost of living crisis like you know now that i'm more into like having a bit more eye on like what we're buying i'm just seeing how much food has gone up how much you know ingredient costs have gone up um and doing the research for our low energy work when myself and you know our community cookery leader was going out to different um you know emergency food projects and food banks and stuff and kind of trying to find out what we needed to design as a course was just yeah just hearing how how desperate things were for people and that was last summer that was before it even got cold so I think I'm just sort of getting a bit more aware of that and whereas our community classes before may have been a bit more like um oh well this would be this would be really nice this would be a really nice thing to do I guess now our conversations are a bit more about how can we help people solve some problems through the low energy work, through batch cooking, Fuji's Fridays, another um, class that we do once a month, which is us using a lot of surplus and things that we have left over the week to, for people to come in and cook up and take home for the weekend. So it is more about problem solving, helping, supporting people and solving problems, um, you know, giving people slow cookers. Alongside that, we also do try to do some things that are just nice and fun as well to kind of, you know, have that enjoyment side of it. Um, yeah we still think it's it's important to like make cakes and eat cakes and it's not just all about being super mindful about being healthy all the time because it's everything i agree yeah <laughs> i think you know and i think we do that well at the food partnership like striking that balance between um teaching people about healthy food and also just teaching people to have fun with what they're cooking I guess as well, I haven't really touched on the whole like food waste element as well, because I mentioned Foodies Friday where we're using up our surplus and um, and kind of trying to encourage people how to, um, you know, that just because something isn't looking its best, it doesn't mean you've got to throw it in the bin. So, you know, just as just an example, we had some, some carrots that were all looking a little bit bendy and out of shape and a little bit sad. And... Um, left them in you know a bowl of water overnight and they kind of like rehydrated themselves and were you know firmer the next day and you know we sort of show people how to like you know cut off the black bits and which bits were good to use and which bits we might you know not not use and um and again we get comments like oh i didn't know you were allowed to use it when it was like that and so it's trying to teach people and support people in making those assessments for themselves and going like okay no so you know i've been taught that a carrot is okay to, to use when it's like that or i can just cut off that bit of the potato and the rest of the potato is actually going to be okay that word allowed is really um important isn't it i i think i can't think of many other areas in life actually where you get so bombarded with like messages about what you should and shouldn't do like you have packaging telling you to do one thing but then you have like 
your class and your like your class structure and your family upbringing telling you to do another and this, it's one of those worlds where there are so many different rules and regulations many of which go unspoken yeah and i mean we you know we want people to come to the kitchen and have a lovely experience but you know in an ideal world you know for us the dream is that someone will go home and then go i know how to make this and this is magical for me and i've got the kit because they haven't made it too complicated for me and you know i've already got a couple of those bits in my cupboard I just need to go and get a couple of bits and I can go to the shop at the end of the day and if something's got a sticker on it you know that's still okay to use because someone's taught me what to look for on the label um and so we just hope that people are you know having a nice time but also learning how to replicate that at home ideally with you know a friend or a family member maybe cooking for each other sharing dinner with each other or you know we'll see yeah, I mean, food's such, an, like, food's such a great space to meet people if you're wanting to help them make some like, changes that are really beneficial for their lives because the ways in which that can happen are like very diverse, aren't they? It could be cooking food for people, it could be just like saving money on what you shop or wasting less. There's lots of ways that learning how to engage with food properly brings benefit into your life. And people are learning about each other as well through food, you know, like people sharing their food stories and, you know, family family recipes or meals that they had when they were a kid or you know different cultures and different practices and different festivals and you know that kind of thing is really a nice way to learn about each other yeah that's true yeah food i think um well if you've got nothing else to share so you've always got a meal haven't you if you've got no language i was going to say that in in the kitchen's recent impact report mm -hmm. Um, you describe the work that you do in the kitchen as offering vital life skills to adults and children across the city. And I wanted to ask you, what is it about cooking that provides people with vital life skills? And how do you see the impacts of cooking together um, that go beyond the act of learning a recipe? But I think you've just answered that with what you've been saying. Yeah, I think so. Um, yeah, I think a lot of it is about, you know, being given permission to, like, try some stuff. You know, going back to go back to like the salad building. You know, building the salad is like okay. It's probably a good idea to have a protein element in that. What is what is protein? Let's break it down. Do you know what I mean? And depending on your your um what what diet you're following by that, I mean, if you're vegan, vegetarian, if you've got a cultural diet, you know, what are all the different sort of like options to have like and protein, and then what provides you with your crunch? What provides you with this certain amount element of it? So it isn't about looking at a recipe and going, okay, I don't have tomatoes, so I can't make that. It's about going, I've got this re this recipe, and there's lots of different options or varieties to this. So I've got lots of choices. And also if I make like a tomato sauce, I've been shown how I can make the tomato sauce slightly different tomorrow. You know, if I want to add some mushrooms or I want to, you know, add something different, I can turn that into a bolognese. So there's lots of different kind of like options if you have like, three recipes that you know and trust that then you could actually maybe make three different things out of each one of those recipes but then I'm not very good at maths but then you've got nine things maybe <laughs> um so you know it's about those little sort of like building blocks yeah like choice which I think gives you more resilience at the end because that's you, you have options sometimes it is you know when we've gone back to that sort of you know like allowed to permission thing you know it's like if you know one of our teachers you know charlotte emiliano candy jethro or something so one might go like well charlotte says it's okay to do that and you know I, I not in any kind of like paradynamic kind of way but you know our teachers are really experienced they've got they've got lots of um you know experience out there in, in in the world you know 
working as working a chef so perhaps having someone say oh don't worry about what size you chop your onions up you know or in this situation it might be better to chop them up a little bit smaller it's like you know hopefully they've built that trusting relationship where they'll go okay no no well someone so said it's okay so it is okay you know yeah that's true i hadn't thought about that and someone that you know you might look up to or that you think has like stay you know you think is like someone you respect and look up to telling you that like what you're doing is, is correct it's and fine. good. That's yeah. like really powerful, actually. Yeah. I think lots of people have quite like tricky formative experiences yeah. in kitchens, don't they? Sometimes if it's their parents trying to teach them, yeah. and, you know, it's not always, sometimes a little bit of unlearning to do along the way, yeah. I think. I'd like two or three more questions I wanted to ask. And um, one of them was, what, if you've got any plans or ideas to evolve the kitchen in the coming years? I mean, look, like the food partnership is never not gonna have plans. <laughs> there's always going to be an abundance of plans and ideas I think um you know the kitchen is like the kitchen is really busy it's really really busy so um I think well you know we'll just it would it's really nice to keep it that way you know Uh, it would be really nice if we can carry on being supported through um grant funding obviously to carry on you know doing all our lovely community classes um working with more chefs out you know out in the community um, people from like local restaurants and you know get more masterclasses and fundraisers would be amazing because stuff in the kitchen breaks all the time we've had like two or three hobs broken this year just because they're domestic hobs and we've had them five years so stuff needs replacing all the time so the fundraisers are really important to us um what's been super nice over the past couple of years is we've been working with more diverse groups so at the moment we've been um particularly working with some um groups supporting refugees and asylum seekers and been able to do some regular work there we're working with more lgbtq plus groups that are coming in the kitchen on a regular basis and that has been like really lovely and then what we've been able to do is kind of form you know some relationships with people who access those groups and then they might come to some of our classes and so try to we've been trying to do a little bit more collaborative work um and so that's been like really nice now that there's um some people from groups um in brighton that know the kitchen is a safe place to come and that's really lovely um and so whereas for a while it was like how do we kind of work with people from more diversity groups and now it's like people are coming to us and saying like hey we really want to work with you and that's nice because i think they're obviously feeling that we're providing a safe place for people to come that's amazing and it's the kind of what you can't do overnight either is it that's the stuff that like takes time to get people to trust you and trust that you understand how to meet their needs in the space and make it like accessible and inclusive so I think if you are starting to be recognized as somewhere that's safe for like diverse groups that's I think that's an accolade and one to just hope can like continues yeah and I think as well you know the as far as I know I think we've got you know the a good reputation you know that people like working with the food partnership and people like the kitchen and people you know are having a good time and you know um have a good quality of experience when they come so for me i think that that's really important that we you know look after our volunteers we look after our staff make sure people are happy that people are well and then we can sort of you know carry on doing that i agree i think we do we i forget sometimes like the breadth of our reputation and the fact that it is very like people speak highly of us sometimes i will like bump into a friend I haven't seen for a while and they'll be like oh I read the newsletter like sounds like you guys are doing this this and this and I was like oh yeah like people across the city know who we are and what we're doing you know like across the whole food partnership team you know the the kitchen team the staff team 
are really, really amazing people, really highly skilled, amazing people that they could probably all be off doing something far more glamorous and exciting than the kitchen. Not that we're not glamorous and exciting, but, you know, but they're deeply invested in, in the work that we do and, you know, just really care about the people that they're working with. You know, it makes my heart sing, you know, and I'm just sitting in the office tapping away by my computer and just hearing how people are greeted when they come in by our volunteers or by us, you know, staff team members, just making them feel so warm and, you know, and welcome when they come in. And I'm like, oh, you guys, you're amazing, you know, just because it's just like really nice to experience that. Too, yeah, we've got a really caring team and, and the volunteers as well. And I am so happy that people get to come into the experience, come into the kitchen and experience that level of care and nurture from people just for a few hours. It does. I think it goes deep, doesn't it? Like the impact. Of yeah, totally. And like I said, it's, um, you know, the sort of back, you know, other side of that is like we were mopping up water earlier on because it was like there was there was an incident. There was an incident behind the scenes that, uh, I don't, yeah, I mean, don't want to like say this is like some utopian place. This is like a regular workplace with regular work workplace shenanigans going on behind the scenes that we have to, uh, we have to deal with, you know, um, but, uh, but yeah. We're all we're all still very invested. I think so. And those shenanigans get offset by like all the free cakes they you get to eat. And... <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, um, okay. One of my last questions for you was just whether you you got any particular standout moments from your years working as um, manager or just working at the community kitchen. Negative, positive, or just downright weird. I think we came into work one day and there's a live octopus in the fridge that someone had left behind. I can't remember who that was. It was someone like fancy chef had left a live octopus behind. Oh, I know what it was. That never, yeah, also recently someone, people come to the kitchen door all the time and they don't know what it is and they go like, what is this place? No, this kitchen, it's got like community kitchen outside. So people ask if we're the driving license, um, place for the driving license testing. Um, if we're a hotel, someone came and asked me if they could have a table for six. <laughs> One evening, and I told six, and I was like, "We, we, we're like a cookery school." And then, like, "Well, we, we're just a pre-theater, just a pre-theater meal. We'll be in and out really quickly." I reckon people would pay good money for the food week that gets comes out of that kitchen. I mean, I one of my favorite memories was um, filming a little filming something for social media with um, a local drag queen, Lydia Lascapes, in the kitchen, and having her dressed up in full drag makeup, kind of like rolling around on the surfaces, and yeah, everyone who walked past, like, kind of like looking and being like, "What on earth is going on inside here?" Well, my last question, which is one I've been asking everyone, is um, because the community kitchen, I think, makes a really important intervention into the local Brighton food system by teaching people how to cook and breaking down barriers around food. Um, what is one piece of advice that you'd give to someone who's looking to make their local food system better? Um, I think that there's so, there's so much going on in Brighton in terms of like all the community gardens, that there are all the different places for people to, you know, go and see how to grow food or get involved in food growing, all the beautiful, more sort of like eco-therapeutic um, groups that are going on. Um, I'd say, this sounds like a real plug, doesn't it? But our directory on the website is like full of all different projects where people can get involved from like, you know, supporting a food bank or donating towards, um, you know, different people's um, crowd funds or, you know, keeping projects going. So I'd say just kind of, you know, just find out a little bit more about what's going on in the city in your local area. 
community composting, you know, all the different types of projects that are going across the city, I'd say just like have a little dip in and have and have a look. Um, people can also, you know, support us, come along to a cooking class, tell people about us, follow us on Instagram, share our stories, tell people what we're doing. Um, I think is that, um, you know, that's often what people kind of will say, like, oh, I didn't know you were doing all this. Now I'm going to do this. So I'd say, yeah, just sort of try to have a look at the website and find out what else is going on. I, yeah, I'd echo that. The directory is how I found out about the food partnership and started working here. It's such a such a good reason. One one place online where all the different gardens, composting, um, community cookery food banks are listed. Like it's actually a really great asset. I think as well, like it's like it's quite easy to get involved in some things as well. Like you know, the thing with volunteering is a lot of projects really rely on regular volunteers. I know that we do with the kitchen is we do need to have regular volunteers who are going to commit for you know a certain period of time and a lot of um, projects uh, need that as well but there are some other projects that you can just sort of dip in and out of and try out a little bit more so you don't you know you can just like go and try out before you commit to something that, that, that breaks down that barrier for people the opportunity to try it out a few times before thinking you have to hold and um, take on that responsibility because it can I think it can be a lot knowing that someone's relying on you and sometimes you're not always ready for that yet yeah, and it can also be quite a big thing can't it like turning up somewhere for the first time and going well what 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 am I going to do and what am I going to talk about and you know before I worked in the kitchen I was more involved in like the gardening projects and that was one thing that I thought was like really lovely is that if you know you turn up for the first time at a community garden and and you know there's so many jobs to be done you know there's often like a chalkboard up that will be jobs for the day and this needs planting or this needs harvesting or this needs watering and so you can quite quickly kind of just get really hands-on and doing something and working alongside somebody and then you can like you know start talking about what you're doing and what you're involved in 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 that moment you know being very present before you get on to like I don't know, what your favorite color is or you know all the other stuff about yourself so it can be a really nice kind of like route into you know making acquaintances and getting familiar with people in your area especially if you're like new to the city or you know you've had a change in your life that means you want to get out and you know do some different stuff that's true. There's, I think there's a lot to be said for that, isn't there? Something where you, the topic of conversation can just be the task at hand. That's really helpful for people. But also having, having tasks that are clear, because I think lots of people volunteer to feel like they can be useful. I think it's the worst feeling if you get somewhere and you don't know how to be useful or how to, yeah. Good task lists. Um. Thank you for joining us in our first episode of Savouring Change. If you're looking for your own way to serve a change, visit us on bhfood.org.uk to find out more about the community kitchen, check out some of their recipes, and also find out about the other community projects happening across Brighton and Hove that you can get involved with. If you liked this episode and want to hear more about what we're up to as a food partnership, but also some of the really interesting food work that's happening across our city, Please follow us on Spotify, Instagram, Facebook or Twitter for more content.